Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Praise the Lord. What a privilege to be in the house of the Lord on Wednesday night, light for living. Don't ever take for granted the opportunity that God gives us to come into the house of the Lord because there's people all over the world that has not afforded this same privilege. And I'm so very thankful that God allows us to gather together today. I feel that the Lord has uh, given me something to say tonight and I wanted to, uh, my prayer that I could stay in the same vein of the title of this service, Light for Living, uh, our Bible study night. However, the Lord and I didn't know that uh, our pastor was supposed to be here anticipating him not to be here. I would not say nothing unkind or either undeserving, but uh, what I'll have to say tonight is not to draw attention to him, but it's a familiar place that we've been, and I believe it's an application, a principle uh, that we do apply in our lives and in this local congregation. But I think that it's important that we revisit and that we never forget what the man of God, the role that he plays in our life. I want to always keep my heart open and my mind open to the man of God that God himself has put in my life. I want to remain under subjection and be humble to the spirit. I want you to go with me to the book of 2 Kings chapter 4. Uh, I have some lengthy reading this evening. So uh, as you're finding that in your Bible... If you would, let's let's just go to the Lord in prayer, and after prayer, you could be seated. Father, I love you, and I'm so thankful for the privilege to be in this house. I'm thankful for the opportunity to gather together with precious saints of God. And I'm asking for the next few minutes, Lord, that you anoint our hearts, that you anoint our minds, and that you touch us, God, to receive your word. Speak into our life tonight, God. Give us something that we can build upon, a foundation that we can stand firm upon. And we give you honor and praise in the name of Jesus. You may be seated and God bless you. And again, 2 Kings chapter 4. It's a passage of scripture that we all have crossed many times. Uh, But I want to certainly not preach anything new tonight, but I would just like to point out some principles that we can find from this particular woman in chapter 4 that I I do believe will help us. 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 8. Again, there will be some lengthy reading if you would just bear with me. And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem where was a great woman. And she constrained him to eat bread And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold, now I perceive that this is a holy man of God, which passeth by us continually. 
Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick. And it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. And it fell on a day that he came thither, and he turned into the chamber and lay there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call this Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him, and he said unto and he said unto him, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? Wouldest thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of hosts? And she answered, I dwell among mine own people. And he said, What then is it to be done for? And Gehazi answered, Verily, she hath no child, and her husband is old. And he said, Call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door, and he said, about this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, Nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid. And the woman conceived and bare a son that season that Elisha had said unto her according to the time of life. And when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father, to the reapers. And he said unto his father, My head, my head. And he said to the lad, Carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother... He sat on her knees till noon and then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. And she called unto her husband and said, Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the asses that I may run to the man of God and come again. If you will jump down to verse 32. And when Elisha was coming to the house, behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. He went in therefore and shut the door upon them twain and prayed unto the Lord. And he went up and lay upon the child and put his mouth upon his mouth and his eyes upon his eyes and his hands upon his hands. And he stretched himself upon the child and the flesh of the child waxed warm. Then he returned and walked into the house to and fro and went up and stretched himself upon him. And the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, Call this Shunammite. So he called her. When she was come into him, he said, Take up thy son. And then she went and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground and took up her son and went out. I know it may be hard for some of, this, some of us this evening to believe that there are some people who attend church and call an individual their pastor. But however, they have a patent cavalier attitude toward ministry and they really don't believe the word of God when it says that it pleases God to choose the foolishness of preaching to save the souls of men. But it is in fact anyhow, it's, it's a fact that if you make it to heaven and you walk through the gates of pearl and you're able to turn around and grab hold of those gates and shake them in the devil's face to tell him that you made it, you will not be able to do that without the fingerprints of a man of God all over your life and all over your soul. And I just want to speak to us a little bit this evening from the title of a, of a place for the man of God. There are people that really believe that a pastor is not really necessary for their soul. And I'm not talking about them being mean or unkind to him. As a matter of fact, they're faithful to church. They're faithful to giving. Uh, they're, they're relatively faithful to the kingdom. 
but they do not embrace the principle that I would like to share with us this evening. I am convinced and I know for a fact that it is a biblical principle. And I believe that if we apply this to our lives, God will, and there is Bible to prove it, that he will honor it. The Bible said that this woman is a Shunammite. That does not speak of a nationality or ethnicity. It simply was a village in the land of Israel. She is an Israelite woman. Shunam is just a village in the perimeter of the nation. For a time during the reign of Saul, it was controlled by the Philistines. But on this day, that is not so. It is a part of Israel. And Elisha, the prophet that God has put in this nation, passes by her on this day. We have to understand some things about this woman if we're going to understand the principle which I believe floats to the top of the pages that she has presented to us this evening. Verse 8 says that she is a great woman. The word great there comes from a Greek word which speaks of being high or noble. This woman is an elevated person, not by herself, but she is elevated by others. And I'm not sure what her role or what her position may be in the community or perhaps even in the nation, but by definition of the scripture, she is not a nobody. She is somebody, and as such, she is accustomed to attention. Apparently, she is not easily moved by title or by prestige. She is not easily impressed, but she is accustomed to being around people of nobility or people of note. But at times, this prophet passes by, and because it's appropriate, and because it's the proper thing to do, and because it's the kind thing to do, she opens her home to him. In my imagination this evening, I'm sure that there are times when he comes by perhaps in the evening that she prepares a meal and maybe lays out a pallet on the floor for him, a place that he could rest. But, but it's by invitation and she does this by expression of her regard for men of God. She invites him in and he is a guest in her home and because of that she cares for him. But it's very interesting to me that we begin to see a transition in verse 9. She turns to her husband and says, Behold, now I perceive that this is a holy man of God, which passes by us continually. The word perceive there means to sense or to recognize or to discern. So she says, I discern that this is a man of God. Apparently by that she is not a stranger to spiritual things, because she says, I have a sense of discernment or because I have a perception that this is a man of God, we've always understood that he is a preacher. She says, I know that he is a prophet, but something has changed within me. Something has happened to me. And I realize that this man is a holy man, not just another prophet, not just another preacher. He's a man of God. Now, surprisingly, that term, man of God, is very unique. It's a very unique label to achieve in the Old Testament because of this perception, he goes to a very distinguished place in her esteem and in her life. He is her man of God. Deuteronomy 33, the Bible calls Moses a man of God. There is depth to that title in the Old Testament. In Judges 13, when Manoah's wife is visited by the angel she, and to discuss the birth of Samson, she calls him a man of God. In 1 Kings, the widow at Zarephath, when she sees her oil and her meal begin to multiply, she refers to Elijah as 
a man of God. It is more than simply recognizing the office, if you will, that they hold, but it is their relationship, their spiritual relationship with God. It recognizes that this man has a very unique, special standing, if you will, before the Lord. This perception is incredibly important because in Proverbs 29 and 18, the Bible says, where there is no vision, the people perish. The word translated vision there comes from the same root word perceive that we just read in our text this evening. The word vision does not mean a, a fortune teller or foreseeing or telling or looking forward. What that word means is a perception or an understanding, the ability to see the big picture and to understand what is going on. And she recognizes that this man of God has the ability to see the big picture and he understands what's going on. Her insight is revealed in her attitude toward the man of God. Keep in mind here there are other prophets in Israel at this time and perhaps she has even herself come in contact with these prophets. But this prophet, this prophet takes a special role in her life and she says because of this perception and because I understand that this is not just another preacher, this is not just another prophet, but this is a holy man of God. There is a unique role that I feel like that he's destined to play in my life. So as a result of that, she says that it is imperative that we make a place for the man of God in our lives. And so it is as we the people of God, we either do or we do not make a place for the man of God in our life. That special man that the Lord integrates and he insinuates into our life. That man that can come and go and speak into my life as, as the Lord would, would give him the will to do. So as up till now this man has just been a guest in her home. Up till now when he spent the night they had to make a pallet on the floor. Perhaps they had an old uncomfortable couch that he would sometimes spend the night on. Up till now He's had to knock on the door when it was time to come in. But now it's going to be different. They're going to rearrange some things and perhaps move some furniture out. They're going to build on to their house. They are making a specific place, a special place, if you will, for this man of God because it's not there now because their lives are full. Their home is full. Every little nook and cranny, like our homes get sometimes, is full and there seems to be no room. Something is stuck everywhere it seems. So they made a place for him. Not, not something temporary, not something makeshift, not something just thrown together. But this is now a permanent place, a permanent abode. This is not just a place for him. They are making this his place. This belongs to this man of God. It was a physical abode, a physical place, a physical bed, a physical table, a physical candlestick. And I, I understand all that, but I'm speaking to us in spiritual terms. But what happened in understanding this special role that this man of God would play in their life, they made this place for him. And now his role changes because he is no longer an invited guest in their home. He don't have to turn to Gehazi and wonder, would it be all right if we show up there today? When he approaches the home, he doesn't have to send out an echo or send Gehazi ahead to ask, would it be all right if we come? When he gets there, he doesn't have to knock on the door and ask permission to come in. He doesn't have to be invited in because now 
He has a place in their home. He has a place in their life that is he has a place that belongs to him. And he knows that he belongs there. When he comes, he can open the door. He can walk in. He can go to his room. He can lay on his bed. He can sit on his stool. He can sit at his table. And he can light his candlestick. Verse 10 says that they make this room for him. They put in the bed. They make the table, a stool, a candlestick. And I am totally convinced when I make it to heaven, when I pass through the pearly gates in large part, it will be because I made a place in my life for a man of God. It will be because you made a place in your life for the man of God. He doesn't have to knock on the door and ask permission to come into my house. There's a place for him. He's welcome to come in. He has that right to come in. I have given him that right. I have given him that place to come into my life. And we have to understand that when we make place for God's man in our life, we're making place for God. I know that there are a lot of preachers and a lot of good preachers. There are a lot of men of God. I'm trying my best to be what God wants me to be. I'm trying my very best to be a man of God, but I need a man of God in my life. You need a man of God in your life. And there is a role that not, cannot be filled in our lives by other preachers. There's a role that cannot be filled in our lives by missionaries or evangelists. There's a role that only, only this particular, this this special called man of God can feel, and that is a pastor. And he cannot be successful in that role if he doesn't have a place where he can go. He can't be successful if he can't go and come as freely as he needs to. He can't accomplish what God needs him to accomplish in our life if he doesn't have a dwelling place that he don't have to knock at the door, that he don't have to ask permission to come in, that he can walk in at free will and speak into our lives. But because we have made a place this evening, because we have prayed, and because of discernment, we realize that it is the will of God for this man to be integrated in my life. I, I create a place in my heart. I create a place in my thinking. I, I create a place in my values. I cre create a place in my life where this man, he ain't got to be invited in. I give him the right as my man of God to involve himself at free will into my life. Because only when you go to the effort to make a place for the man of God do you really be able to understand some of the principles that the Bible speaks to us. Such as First Thessalonians when it says, Know them that labor among you and that are over you in the Lord. Only when you have understood that role of that special man of God and you have made that place in your life only then, when you have done that, when you have given them that, given him that right, then he does not have to knock on your spiritual door and wait to be invited. And you won't find yourself asking questions like, who does he think he is? What does he think he's saying to me? I don't want my man of God to have to tiptoe around and worry about offending me. If I've got something in my life that needs to be spoken to, something that needs to be addressed, I want him to slam the door open and come on in and say what needs to be said in my life. And I'll tell you where he does. It's because I give him that right. I call him pastor. When I made that place in my life for him, you see, pastor rolls so easily off the tongue. 
but it's so difficult to fulfill this call. Don't give him that title in your life if you're not willing to make a place for him and allow God to do what God has called him to do. The Bible says, esteem them highly for their work's sake. Hebrews 13 says, obey them that have rule over you. Now the word that's translated the rule is, is grossly misunderstood so often because it does not mean to give orders or to dictate conduct. It's really the rule to give account. It comes from the root word to carry and we've got to understand that this man carries us. He carries us in his heart. He carries us in his mind. And he carries us in his emotions. That's why Romans 13 says we need to be subject because this power, this carrying power that I'm talking about is of God and only comes from God. Hebrews 13 and 17 says they watch for your souls. Know for sure. Don't ever mistake that this is not a, this is some position of privilege because that's not what it is. This role that this man of God plays in our life is a position of accountability and responsibility. It's the highest calling in the kingdom of God, not presbyter, not secretary, not general superintendent, and I say that respectfully, but the highest calling in a man's life is when he is pastor. This Shunammite woman said, I perceive that this is a holy man of God, so we will make a place in our home for him. Next time he comes by, he's won't be necessary to knock. He don't have to ask permission to come in. He's not going to have to wait outside and be invited in. But there's a place here for him that he can come on in. It's his. It belongs to him. She saw this and she understood this, so she gives him this place. As time rolls, we see in verse 18, there would come a day when the child was grown that he went out into the field with his father. And whatever it was, it happened on that particular day. We know that the child becomes critically ill. And I'm going to tell you what I know to be a fact. I don't know how long you've lived for God, but let me tell you this if you don't already know it. When God saved us from sin, he did not save us from life. Life is difficult. Life is challenging. There will be trouble. I don't care who you are. I don't care how dedicated you are to God. I don't care how sensitive you are to the Holy Ghost. I don't care how faithful and committed you are to the church. There is coming a day when trouble will show up at your front door. Job put it this way. He said, man that is born of woman is a few days full of trouble. And I believe that most everyone here knows exactly what I'm talking about. Trouble comes to her house and I know that there are times when troubles and difficulties and perplexities come to us and we ask the question, why me? But I deposit into your mind tonight this, to ask the question next time that arises, why not me? What gives me the right to think that I have the privilege or the, or the undaunted task or the, un, the untouchable life that it can't rain on me just as it does others? Because when you when you realize that trouble is coming and when you realize it's going to have to be dealt with, it's at those times, it's not then that you need to decide, well, I need to make a place for the man of God in my life. You can't run to the man of God when there's trouble and you haven't made a place for him. There has to be a place for him before that trouble comes so that 
when that time comes, he's been praying, he's been discerning, he's been fasting, he's been doing that carrying I spoke of earlier. God will enable him to deal with the situation and be able to help us in that time of trouble. Trouble comes, the child dies, and, and take note of this, if you will. When trouble comes, she didn't take her trouble to the marketplace. When trouble comes, she didn't call or text a friend. When trouble came to her home, she didn't take it to Facebook. She didn't take it to her, uh, I think they call it a Vine or, or her Twitter account. When trouble come, when atrocity struck her life, she carried that to the place of the man of God. Because when you have made a place in your life for the man of God, you have also made a place in your life for the God of the man. So she puts her trouble in this place that she has made for the man of God. And I, I wonder, I, as I read that, I says, how can a mother do that? Put her child in a place that she has made for someone else. You can only do that when you perceive, when you have a vision, when you understand the big picture. So she puts her child in this room and she goes to where the prophet is. He sees her from a distance and he says to his servant, yonder comes the Shunammite woman. Go ask her if everything is okay. And Gehazi goes and he meets her and he says, is all well with thee? And she says, yes. Is all well with thy husband? Yes. Is all well with thy child? And she says, it is well. How in the name of God can it be well when your baby is laying dead? How could her attitude reflect this when she has just left a promise from God dead at her home? I'm going to tell you how it can be because I understand my role and I have put my trouble in a place where the man of God is. I have carried this, this problem, this atrocity, and I understand that when I made a place in my life for the man of God, I also made a place for God. And when things in my life are where they belong, I cannot help but believe all will be well. She begins to lay out her problem for the man of God and she falls and grabs his feet. And if you're familiar with the story, Gehazi, he tries to push her back and get her away. The prophet says, no, 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 you, you leave her alone. And I'm paraphrasing tonight, but... You see, when she made a place in her life for me, the prophet was saying she gained this right. Because of all that she has done, because of this place that she has made for me, she has the right to fall at my feet and to, and to bring her problems to me. So in verse 32, if we jump ahead, Elisha comes to the house where the child is dead. He laid upon the child. And I'm going to tell you what, what I believe was taking place. She's probably remembering all those times. She sees that man of God and she knows that he's in that room and God is with him. I'm sure she's thanking the good Lord above that those times that he spoke into my life. I'm glad I didn't retaliate with who do you think you are. Those times that he needed to place some correction upon me. I'm sure she's thinking, oh Lord, I'm, I'm glad I didn't get mad and storm out of the house. Those times that she needed rebuking and it hurt a little bit. 
I'm, I'm sure she's thinking, thank you, Lord, for keeping my mouth shut because right now, because I kept that place for that man of God, he's here in that place and I'm expecting a miracle. He comes on this day not as an intruder, not as a guest. He doesn't have to ask permission to come in. She's given him that right. And when God's man walks through the door, so does God. Because when she gave the place to the man of God, she also gave the place to God. He goes in and we all know the story of the process in which the miracle was performed and that's really not the meat of my message tonight. What I know is that the man of God went into a place that she had made for him. There was her trouble and he dealt with it and God came through. Musicians, I am circling the runway. The prophet tells her to take up thy son. Now we're talking about a lady of vision. Remember earlier she said, I perceive. So the prophet has now told her, take your son up. If you notice in scripture, she did not just grab the goodness of God and run with it. She didn't just take up her miracle and flee. Before she ever grabbed the miracle, before she ever took up the blessing and left, the Bible says she went in and fell at his feet and bowed herself. You see, this relationship ends just like it started. It all started with reverence for the man of God. That created an understanding in her life. That caused her to make a place that when the day of trouble came, she had some place to take it. She understands, she really understands why what has happened happened and she realized that this miracle would not have occurred if this man would have just been an invited guest or if he would have had to constantly knock on the door. God couldn't have worked through this man if he had to ask permission to come in, if he had to wait till he was granted that right. But because she perceived that this was a man of God, her man of God, not just another preacher, but she said, this is my preacher, and we're going to make a place in our life for him, and we're going to make a place in our home for him. So there is this key or this principle here that very few people ever grasp. She just didn't grab her blessing and scatter. But she said, I want to renew this covenant all over again. And I want to fall at your feet and I want you to know and I want to confirm some things here that you're still my man of God. This is still your place. And there may come a day when I've got some more trouble. There may come a time when I'm going to have to bring something else before you and when I bring that, I want to make sure that you know that there's still a place that I have for you. I don't want to have to wade through some doubts of uncertainty, but I want to know right out of the gate and I want you to know that you are the man of God in my life and it's because of that that I give you the right to go and come as you please. Those who can understand the principle here will be able to walk through life with a safety and with a security and an assurance that very few people will ever experience. Our prayer today and every day should be that God, we never let us forget how critical and important it is to make a place for the man of God. I don't want him to have to knock. I don't want him to have to be invited to come in. But I want to make sure always that my heart remains pliable that my mind remains clear and right 
and that I don't let infection and bitterness creep into my life where I shut the door or take away that place that he's held in my life. But I always want to know that God has that man over me. It's that protection. It's that assuredness. It's that knowing that when he steps behind this desk to speak into my life or whether he has to speak into my life in private, it's that assurity that he's not just flying off the cuff with something, but he's heard from God and God is speaking through him to us. As we stand across this house this evening, I just feel in the Holy Ghost this evening. Again, I I don't want to bring any embarrassment to Pastor, but Pastor, I'm going to ask you to come stand to my left, if you will, please. I'm going to ask Brother Rayleigh if he would to come and lay hands on pastor and if, if you would just from just from where you stand this evening would you stretch your hands toward heaven and let's ask God to keep in our hearts to keep in our minds to remind us to keep that place that a man of God can speak into us and let's pray tonight for our man of God for a pastor that leads us This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386 935 2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.